0: Am I right, sir, or am I wrong? New segment on Mondays. Things we learned from the weekend. So in the NFL, we have a bunch of things. But most importantly, the real reason why the Dolphins started Tua. And we're still left with questions. Jimmy Garoppolo is the worst quarterback in his division and the second best on his roster. And in college football, michigan fans be careful what you wish for asking for jim harbaugh to be fired i'll tell you why and my college football top 10 and big 12 defenses are greater than sec defenses in 2020 and so much more and of course the battle for sunday night football between the networks and election day am i right sir or am i wrong is the intersection where sports business society and pop culture meet the truth monday wednesday friday fire facts only make sure you check your feelings at the door no bs is allowed because i keep it 100 make sure that wherever you're listening to the podcast that you leave a five-star rating leave a review as well and subscribe and tell a friend about it send it to him email it however you need to get it to him and of course you can get a hold of me Podcast at unafraidshow.com and of course make sure that you tell a friend And you can listen to me as well on the Pac-12 Apostles podcast, wherever podcasts are found in Fox Sports Radio, Sundays, 2 to 5 p.m. Pacific, and that's 5 to 8 Eastern time, and of course, weekdays filling in. Let's get to it. The first thing that we learned this weekend is the real reason why the Dolphins benched Ryan Fitzpatrick for Tua Tagovailoa. It's because they want to know what they have in him before the 2021 NFL draft. The Dolphins have two first round picks. They have their own and they have Houston's first round pick and Houston's second round pick that they got back for Laramie Tunsil and Kenny Steels. So that could be potentially a top five pick plus a pick, you know, 17 to 20 somewhere in that neighborhood. And then they're going to pick in the high 30s. I mean, so they can really trade that pick for almost anything. And with the success that Joe Burrow is having in Cincinnati with the Bengals, Justin Herbert with the Chargers, they're like, yo, we need to figure out what we got with this dude because Trevor Lawrence is coming out in the draft. Justin Fields, the kid from North Dakota State. I mean, there are some big time quarterbacks out there and they want to know, should they choose another one? just like the Arizona Cardinals did with Josh Rosen, where they drafted him, I think, uh, the 10th pick. Then the next year, they dump him and the head coach and pick Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury, which has proven to be a really good decision. So they played, so Tua though, right? So we know why they did it. But Tua's first game left us with more questions than it did answers about how good he was gonna be. Because people have been trumpeting for years. Oh, two is so great, two is so great, two is so great. I said it from, what, a year ago when he was first playing with in his last year at Alabama. I said, man, the kid is obviously has the arm talent, the spectacular arm talent. My question always live was every throw wasn't necessarily important because Alabama's defense was so good special teams running game that he was allowed to sit back there in the pocket make no 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 yes throws that means when the coach is yelling no 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 don't throw that and then Jalen Waddle Smith or Ruggs they make a superhero catch and it makes the quarterback look so much better and we saw that his biggest adjustment to in the NFL, is going to be the amount of time that he doesn't have to get the ball off because he's used to having a picnic back there in the back end against Alabama. Well, when playing for Alabama. So he goes 12 for 22, which is a tick over 50%. One touchdown and 93 yards for a 25 quarterback rating. Excuse me? Excuse me. I mean, like, that's startling. I mean, the, the, the team won, which is obviously important. But it was their defense. Their defense scored. They scored on special teams. They got four turnovers from the, the Rams. So all Tua had to do was don't crash the ship. Just don't crash it. Next thing. Jimmy Garoppolo. Quarterback for the 49ers. I have been on this train. I mean, well, like, I think that everybody at this point in time has to finally agree with me. That he is a below average quarterback. Despite the wins, Tim Tebow was winning too. That doesn't mean you're not below average. He's the worst quarterback in his division, because obviously in his d- division he has three other really good quarterbacks. He's got Jared Goff, who's uh, third worst. Then you got Kyler Murray, number two, and Russell Wilson, number one. So yeah, he's the third worst, quarter, the fourth worst quarterback in his division. The, if you put Jimmy Garoppolo in must-pass situations, that means if you're able to stop the run, he can't beat you. It's similar to what they do with Lamar Jackson. He cannot beat you if you keep him in must-pass situations. And it's clear that Kyle Shanahan doesn't trust him. And if you can stop the run, which means that the play action is ineffective because Garoppolo's numbers are fantastic off of play action. But so is pretty much every other quarterback in the history of football that has a fantastic running game and a really good defense behind him. But as soon as you stop that running game, you see what you get. Must pass situations, the dude is trash. So everybody get off the Jimmy G train. It is a a train that is going to crash you. And Kyle Shanahan is clearly looking for an exit plan with this dude because he's not special. The other thing that we learned, the Green Bay Packers, they have a serious problem. A serious problem. They have a physical problem. We've already seen them get run over by the Buccaneers, run over by the Vikings and Dalvin Cook this weekend. I mean, and then the second thing is, they keep drafting things that they don't need. So after last year, the 49ers Chargers beat them up They knew they needed to get more physical. They needed to add more weapons besides uh, Devontae Adams for their quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. But instead, they draft a quarterback, just uh, Jordan Love, which they don't need because they got Aaron Rodgers. In the second round, they drafted A.J. Dillon, a running back. You don't need that either because you got Williams and you got Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones, one of the best backs in the league. So you drafted things that you don't need. Uh, The next thing, Lamar Jackson. He has not improved enough as a passer. Same thing like Jimmy Garoppolo. If you keep him in must-pass situations, because the dude is clearly dynamic. He was the MVP last year, but that's why I said I would take Justin Herbert over every quarterback drafted in 2018 and 2019. Every single one of them, including Josh Allen, who's come back down to earth. Lamar Jackson, even though his team's winning, but that's because their defense is so good. Running game is so good. Same thing. Lamar has not taken the next step as a passer. I mean, consider this. In this season, he's only thrown for over 208 yards one time. One time. That was in week one. 208, the last thing requires no explanation that we learned over the weekend. Adam Gase is terrible. Yep, that that's it. That's what we learned. Actually, we already knew it, but the fact that this dude still has a job is unbelievable. The things that we learned this weekend in college football for Michigan fans, they lost a big game to, well, they lost a big game for Michigan State but a game that they thought that they were just going to cruise. So they they won last week. It was just uh, everybody's high on Michigan. Jim Harbaugh loses the game. And now they want him fired. They're like, oh, he's got to go. People he's the most overrated coach in the history of Michigan. Oh, he's so overrated. Get rid of him. Be careful what you wish for. Because all these Michigan fans wanting jim harbaugh to be fired they forget i mean like they must assume that this is the floor for their program like that this is the the, the bottom barrel as bad as it gets have they forgotten about the brady Hoke and the rich water the rich rod years have they forgotten about those apparently so jim harbaugh gives you nine and a half ten wins a year which is really good granted He's one and six at home against Ohio State and Michigan State. None of them against Ohio State. That well, that one win hasn't beat has not beat Urban Meyer hasn't beat Ryan Day at Ohio State. But you're still getting nine and a half, ten wins. Michigan is also still he's not winning bowl games, but he has Michigan on the cusp. He's recruiting well. As soon as he gets his offense together, which he's trying to do, they will be fine. But when you fire a coach, like I said on the last podcast, two rules. Number one, you can you get a coach that will guarantee do a better job? The answer is no. Because you've proven you hired Brady Hoke and Rich Rod. That didn't work out. Come on, man. I'm not saying that that Jim Harbaugh is living up to expectations because he's not. But the idea that let's just get him fired and the next thing is just guaranteed going to be better Doesn't work like that. Next thing up uh, that I learned this weekend, all the conference schedules, these all conference schedules, are providing the most interesting college football season that we've seen in a while. I love it. Because you don't get to start with these cupcakes. We got Penn State 0-2, who we know is a good football team. Texas 4-2. Oklahoma State 4-1. Georgia's already lost a game. There's nowhere to hide with these conference-only schedules, and I love it. There's nowhere to hide. It's fun to watch. This is what college football fans really want. That's why the answer is, for future, 10 conference games plus two non-conference games, They and they should both be, and they, uh, at least one of them has to be a Power 5 game, and then the other one can either be a Power 5 game or a group of five games. No FCS, let the group of five teams play the FCS teams. That's the way you roll it out. And then you change the playoff, eight teams, five conference champions, two at-large bids, and the highest-ranked group of five team. So that means you get Cincinnati, SMU, Memphis, uh, whoever is the best out of those. Next thing, Dan Mullins, coach of Florida. This dude has lost his damn mind. He clearly wants to be the heel of the SEC. He showed up to his press conference in a Darth Vader mask. What is this dude doing? He incited a a fight between the teams before halftime because he was mad his quarterback got hit on a Hail Mary? Come on, man. The SEC fined him $25,000, and Greg Sankey uh, sent a message with what he said. There's no place in college football for that kind of incident that took place at the halftime of Missouri and Florida's game Saturday. And basically that everybody involved is responsible for meeting their standards and that this can't happen again. And I love it. Dan Mullen was talking about filling the swamp. Full of fans in the midst of a pandemic and an outbreak. Dan, I know you want to win football games. I know you thought that this was the year, but slow down. Think about what you say. Think about what you got going. Come on, man. Um, Mike Leach, also in the SEC, left Washington State because he needed better players. Losing games at uh Mississippi State now. Now he's got to trim the fat. So he trimmed the fat. Here are the scores. In his game, in his five games in the SEC, he's total his team's point totals 44 against LSU. Everybody's like, oh, my God, he's coming down here, blowing the doors off the SEC, the national champions. Uh, Yeah, miss uh, LSU's defense is one of the worst. God, most God awful in the country. Like this is Sonny Dykes at Cal bad. Next game, 14 points, then two points then 14 points, and then a bagel Yes, on Saturday. Come on, man. Like, that ain't going to cut it. They're going to run you up out of the SEC real fast. And he forgot. So, yes, the SEC clearly does have more talent because they have more players drafted, assumingly, right? He went from the Washington State of the Pac-12, low recruiting ground, not going to get the most talent, to the Washington state of the SEC, which is Mississippi State. They're, they are a bottom tier recruiting out of all the SEC teams. They're not Vanderbilt, granted, but still, I mean, they're around the same level as Kentucky. They they're not gonna get the five star guys, they're not gonna be a top 10 recruiting program. So yeah, he just transferred, like everything's relative. He went to the same spot in the SEC, and now he's getting what he's got. And of course, he's not going to take any accountability because that's what Mike Leach does. The last thing that we learned over the weekend is that Big 12 defenses are still trash. I'm sorry, that SEC defenses are still trash. And the Big 12 defenses, who are much maligned every year, are better in 2020. LSU's defense, historically bad. Ole Miss's defense can't stop a nosebleed. Alabama's defense couldn't stop a nosebleed a couple times. Mississippi State trash, Vanderbilt garbage, Tennessee. Uh-uh. Only people even pretending to play defense in the SEC are Auburn and Kentucky, and they're not doing that a great a job either, comparatively to what they normally did. And so here is my top ten for college football right now. Got Clemson narrowly holding off Alabama. Because they played with a fresh with their uh, young quarterback, well, with their freshman quarterback DJU, and they still won a, a tough game against Boston College, who's a, an emerging team. Like this, not your father's Boston College team. Just running punt football, they're tossing that thing around. Uh, their quarterback Jerkovich is really good. Um, Alabama at number two, Ohio State at three, Notre Dame at four. Georgia at five, Cincinnati at six, BYU seven, Oregon eight. They haven't played a game yet. Miami at nine and Texas A&M at 10. That's where we stand right now. And uh, of course, the articles will be coming out now that the Pac-12 is getting started every single Sunday. Um, And the Pac-12 power rankings will be out as well. Next thing up. There is a billion dollar battle for Sunday night football. And that's emerging between NBC and Disney, which owns ABC and ESPN. And these are going to be the biggest deals in history. The get woke go broke crowd is not going to feel good about this. They're going to say, oh, the sports ratings are down. Nobody wants to see it. Nobody's watching Well, everybody's getting more money. And the NFL still every single year consistently has in between 47 and 49 of the most watched TV programs of the entire year. You're talking about 15 to 20 some odd million viewers every single weekend and then 100 million during the uh, well, the that's 15 to 20 million per game not over the not over the course of multiple games because they're bidding for more than one game um across the way it's nationwide and then 100 million people watching for the Super Bowl. this is why even in the pandemic league revenue is going to be fine because they're expected to reach the deals by the end of the year. They've proved that they can play in a pandemic so the guaranteed money from the networks is going to be there. There's labor peace with the players. Players signed a bad deal on some respects, but there's labor peace. And so now ABC wants part of the Super Bowl as part of the rotating schedule with NBC, CBS, and Fox. ESPN is already spending $2 billion a year for Monday Night Football, and they don't get the Super Bowl. They are by far the most. So they're spending $1.9 billion a year with and abc with their playoff package spending a billion dollars a year fox billion well they're both spending about 1.1 billion nbc for sunday night football just under a billion and fox for thursday night football with the nfl network um like 660 million dollars per year and now in NBC who gets part of the the Super Bowl or who's in the Super Bowl rotation paying a little under a million dollars now Disney is going to be trying to bid for Sunday night football and then you're going to have NBC trying to get Monday night football or Thursday night football and then Disney and NBC are go- going to be coming for Fox and CBS's Sunday football games this is a big deal because there is so much money involved That means salaries are going to go way up. That's why the players didn't have to be in a rush to get the deal done. And they didn't have to squeeze out their disabled players, but that's a whole nother convert conversation. So this is where it's important to not pay attention to the get what go broke crowd, pay attention to people just spewing things and looking at things on a, on a, on a tiny scale instead of looking at the big scale. Where ratings are down in sports, but people are you, you have 50 million cord cutters, you have people who watch in apps, all these people are not counted. But the networks know that people are still watching them because they have tracking for their apps. So, this is very important. Um, and the last thing up today the election is tomorrow. I don't know how it's gonna turn out. I don't know how Biden, if Biden's going to win, if Trump's going to win, if the Senate's going to flip, uh, the, the house is pretty much solidified. So, but here's what I do know. We're living in wild times and this is my parting shot. I'm concerned for both outcomes in terms of, I feel like it'll be dangerous times until January 20th. Like I'm, I'm praying for our country. I hope things that there's not civil unrest. But if Biden wins, like these Trump people have shown that they will be out. They they fly with their flags. They'll protest. Is going on in Beverly Hills. Protesters, counter protesters, all this. If Trump wins, people are going to be very upset as well. Biden supporters, Democrats, they're going to be out in the streets. So stay safe, my my, my friends. And I think that it is important. Uh, we, we We talked about it on a previous podcast with Dr. Chris Mattman. I want you guys to check it out. He talked about ranked choice voting. I want you guys to really look into this because I know it would be a huge departure from the way that we do elections right now. But getting better candidates and more people that represent us, the people is the optimal outcome. The way we can get people in office who are accountable, who choose country and the voters over party. Who stay with their values, who actually have values that aren't for sale. Am I rightster or am I wrong? I'm probably rightster, but if not, leave me, shoot me an email, tweet me, whatever. Peace out. Catch you guys later.